This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Oh, exciting Christmas Sunday morning. Great to come together to worship the Lord today. Take your Bibles out and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I am excited about Christmas Eve, special service, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. We have two services this year to accommodate all the people. And so if it's more convenient to come uh, at 4, come then. Or if you've got to work that day, you can come at 6 and join us. And we'll have a great, great time of celebrating our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, I'll begin reading today with verse 26. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word today. So good to have you here. I'm excited about the message and what God has. Great having our kids in with us today and sitting with their families, uh, our boys and girls, and we welcome you guys as well today. We're going to have a wonderful service this morning. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. What a great name. He will be great, he will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is in you, who is to be the born, will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now her sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the main servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, Today we come to you with grateful hearts because you came for us. We thank you, God, for this incredible miracle of the incarnation, of God coming down, being clothed with humanity that we might know and experience your love firsthand. Thank you, God. I just pray, Lord, as I open up the word today, you will open up our hearts to receive what you have for us. We ask it today in your mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Isn't it great that uh, the angel knew her name? He knew her name. But I got good news for you today. Not only did he know the name Mary, but he knows every one of your names. He knows you by name. He knows where you're at. 
He knows what you're going through. He knows how to find you. He knows where you're at. And he will call you by name. He is a uniquely personal God. And I, I trust this morning, as I, as I bring this message today, he'll speak to your heart a very specific, clear message as he calls you by name. Now, this Christmas is all about God being willing to accept temporary housing in a womb in order to bring his eternal promise into the world. And so he comes to Mary and he takes this temporary house and for nine months God will be housed there in order to bring God's promises to every one of us. And as you look at this Mary miracle, you see a a pattern that kind of follows. And first of all, you see here the angel of the Lord came to Mary and God brings the promise to her. And it always starts with a promise. It always starts with the word of the Lord. And the angel comes and he speaks to Mary. And then that promise grows inside of her. That's called conception. And then it would be delivered through her. And that is the very first Christmas. And that's what we're celebrating today. And every year about this time, we celebrate Christmas and and that miracle being delivered through her to change the world around her. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. Christ would be born and he would eventually go to the cross. And because of the cross and the empty tomb, he would literally change the entire world. Now, that was the pattern that happened for Mary. But I want to propose to you today, it is the same pattern that God reenacts in every single one of us. Stay with me here. First of all, God comes and he brings his word, his promise to you. And you hear the word of the Lord. And then he seeks to work in us and through us and 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 bring his promise into fruition in order that we might change the world around us. He brings the word to us. He works in us. It is delivered through us to change the world around us. And I believe it's not just a one-time Mary miracle, but God wants to do that miracle again and again and again in every single believer's life today. He comes to us to work in us, that he might work through us to touch the world around us. The pattern is always the same. And just as God used Mary to introduce the Redeemer to this world by His grace, He he is continually working His redemptive grace and power through us uh, that we might bring redemption wherever we go. And that's what it's all about today, my friends. Now, Now the question is, why did God choose Mary? What was it about Mary that God chose her for this unique purpose of bringing the Messiah into the world. And and then what is it about us that God could use someone like me, someone like you, someone like us? I want to give you you three three observations this morning. If you'll just jot these down today. Very, Very simple, yet very clear, yet very profound. And I want you to hear it. Number one, and get this. Number one, God uses ordinary people. Isn't that good news? God can use ordinary people. Look at verse number 28 and 29 again. 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, and the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greeting uh, this was. Probably the most surprised person on the face of the earth uh, is Mary. I can't believe God could even possibly use me. In fact, the word says she is even troubled in her spirit. She can't comprehend how God can use her. Uh, It will say in verse 48 of this same chapter, uh, everyone will call me blessed. Uh, I want to tell you, this is not a statement of adulation. Uh, Everyone's going to call me blessed uh, like I am some great person. Uh, The statement might be better read, everyone will call me blessed. Me an ordinary teenage girl in Nazareth, God can possibly use me and call me and come to me. God can call me blessed. I want you to picture an ordinary day. And instead of the, the, the bright skies and the heavens opened up and the beauty and glory of that surrounding, uh, the angel may have just come on an ordinary overcast day. It might have even been a rainy day when the angel appears to her. Was Mary in prayer and was she seeking God in this moment or was she just doing the dishes or washing the clothes? Was there a a shaft of light that came out of heaven and and rested over her head like you see in in all the dramatic uh, presentations of the Christmas scene? Was there some kind of beam of light that came down like out of a spaceship uh, and landed on top of Mary? Or was that just perspiration running from her brow? Was she poised and ready or just plain frightened by the angel's appearance on that day? Had her parents taught her throughout her growing up years that she could be the one or or had that thought really never ever crossed her mind was her family financially fixed or was that betrothal to joseph kind of a relief finally we get rid of another financial burden on our economy or on the economy of our house was she beautiful socially adept or just a plain girl with a simple faith, raised in a very ordinary home, headed for a very predictable life with a carpenter in the town of Nazareth. We don't really know the answers to those questions. The Bible doesn't elaborate on all the surroundings that took place in this day and age. But one thing I think is very clear from Scripture is Mary was just a very ordinary, common, plain girl. Just an an ordinary person from a less than ordinary town. In fact, one blunt-tongued disciple would later say, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth, uh, that town, that little hole, that little, the armpit of Israel? Can anything good come out of there? Where Mary was, that's where she lived. Very ordinary girl from a very ordinary town. And yet there is an availability of God's grace to ordinary people. And God will come down and he will meet us where we're at. And God can come into a stall, a stable where there are flies buzzing around and where's the, the smell of manure, where everything around our environment says there's no hope. 
There's no future. This is all there is. And yet God's grace can come down and invade our surroundings and bring a miracle. He can bring a miracle to very ordinary people. Reminded of the story of Hannah in kind of a similar situation. Turn, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 2. I just want you to read a couple of verses because I think it kind of portrays a little bit the sense of even what Mary experienced. Hannah was the prophet of Samuel, or the mother, excuse me, Hannah was the, Hannah was the mother of Samuel the prophet. And she's another girl that is surprised by a miracle that God would do in her life, in her body. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Jump down to verse number 8. He raises the poor from the dust. And he lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. Look at that. He raises the poor from the dust. What a great promise for every single one of us. Uh, He goes on. He lifts the beggar from the ash heap. That word ash heap can better be translated dunghill. Now, you can't get any more graphic than that. Dunghills are not pleasant. Dunghills stinketh. But don't limit God's dealings or restrict God's workings because of our situation or our circumstances, or our lowliness, uh, because that's exactly the place God can come in and show His glory and bring us hope. You may feel there's a lot of dung all around you right now, and you're going through a mess, and no one understands, and no one knows what you're going through, uh, but it's in those times that God comes in, and He brings His grace, and He brings His hope, uh, and He brings His miracle right into your life. In the ordinariness of our personal surroundings, however unpleasant there may be, we need to learn the lesson today, nothing is too hard for God. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. In Luke chapter 1, go back there and look at verse number 48. Luke 1 and 48 For he hath regarded the lowly estate of my maidservant. Very similar to the words that Hannah herself had used. For behold, henceforth from all generations will will all generations call me blessed. Now, one of the reasons that I think Mary becomes a candidate, even though she's very ordinary, you still got to ask yourself, why choose Mary? I think one of the things that jumps out about Mary is humility. Humility. He says, he has regarded the lowly estate of the handmaiden. Let me tell you what the difference between the humble and the proud are. The humble has no thought for themselves. They don't think too highly. They don't think too lowly. They just don't think about themselves a whole lot. They're not of primary importance. The proud, on the other hand, are absorbed with themselves. 
They are consumed with themselves. Uh, and what happens is, if we become absorbed or consumed with ourselves, uh, that competes with God. It competes with his being first place in our life. And therefore, the Bible says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so the only real candidates to be recipients of God's grace are those who say, God hath regarded my lowly estate. I am just, they don't even regard themselves at all. Some people think, well, they're humble if they keep walking around with their chin on the ground and say, poor me, woe is me, I'm the worst guy on the face of the earth. Sometimes that even comes across as a false humility to draw more attention to yourself. But the truly humble don't think of themselves at all. The proud, on the other hand, are absorbed with themselves. So those who are proud remember all the wrongs that were ever done to them. Because you did that to me. You violated me. You crossed me up. The proud are easily offended. They want to retaliate. The proud hold grudges. If you are holding a grudge, if you don't let it go, if you don't release it, if you are filled with anger and bitterness, I would also propose to you today you are also struggling with pride because it has become all about you. You're absorbed with yourself. The humi- those who are truly humble, though, are focused on God and other people. And so, therefore, whatever happens to me is of little consequence uh, because my life is all about God. Mary says, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Another translation could be, behold, the bondservant of the Lord. I am, I am simply a servant of God. I'm a servant of the Lord. And whatever he wants of me, whatever he calls me to do, whatever he asks me to do, uh, my life is all about serving the Lord. I am God's servant. And so when we in our ordinariness say, I am God's servant, whatever you want to do in my life, then we become a recipient of God's grace. We become a candidate for God to work his miracle in our lives again and again and again. It is amazing what God can do through an ordinary girl who's focused on God and not on herself. And the same is true for us today. You know, today, if, if the Lord appeared to us, said, you know what, you're going to have God. You're going to be the mother of God. You're going to have God inside of you. And that's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, we might sing, my soul doth magnify me. I'm going to have God. And we would get on our phones and we would start texting. Guess what? Just found out. I've got an assignment. I, me, yours truly, is the mother of God. And we get on Facebook and we post all the pictures about how great we are. And you can see picture after picture of Mary coming of the angel in the room. Hold, hold it there one moment, angel. These guys won't believe this. Let me, let me get your picture right now. Let me get it on my phone. Let me post it on Facebook. Let me tell everybody that I'm going to be the mother What does Mary say? He hath regarded my lowly estate. I am the most unlikely 
candidate. I am overwhelmed by the grace of God. And she immediately shifts the focus off herself and puts it all onto God and jump down to verse number 46. And it says there, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Verse number 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Listen, God wants to use you and your ordinariness, but but you've got to first be humble for God to be able to work his grace and mercy and miracle power through you. Second, I want you to also notice that God uses sinful people. God uses sinful people. Now look down at verse 26, and, and some people have been greatly confused by these two verses. They might want to tell you Mary was sinless. It says in verse 26, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent to a city of Galilee to Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, the Bible is very clear. She was a virgin. And the fact that she was a virgin and yet engaged to Joseph affirms the high quality of her character and her lifestyle. She was going to keep herself until her wedding day. And so she is a woman of a very great and high moral character. And the issue of her sexual innocence is of extreme importance because that child would have to come from a womb that was entirely God's working and God's doing because that child would be God's son. And so it had to be in a virgin. Isaiah, 700 years ago. Turn there if you would. Isaiah chapter 7. Look at verse number 14. 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah prophesied that it would have to be a virgin. Isaiah 7 and 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You see, to be our Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, must be of an entirely new order. Only the begotten Son of God, sired from outside of Adam's race, and yet begotten within Adam's race, could become the Holy Lamb of God who could be our sacrifice. It had to be that way. It had to be a direct grace miracle of God working through Mary. Only God becoming flesh would be adequate to rewrite Genesis. To break the curse of Adam's seed. And so God came upon Mary and she conceived and it was God's son because God's son would be the founder of a new creation. He is a new Adam. It is a second creative miracle going all the way back to Genesis. But Mary herself did not need to be a sinless human to become a bearer of the sinless Son of God. Mary, like every other human being to ever live on the face of the earth, was of Adam's fallen seed. Therefore, Mary herself was a sinner. You say, how did God do it? How could he have done it? How could a virgin conceive? 
in Mary, the same God who spoke to this chaotic world at the beginning of time and spoke to all the disorder in the world. The Bible says in the beginning the world was without form and without void and God spoke into this world without form and without void and he said let there be light and let there be life that same God who spoke in the beginning of creation also spoke to Mary's womb and said let there be light and let there be life and that life came forth and that life became the light to the entire world as we know it today. And since that time, that light has been increasing and the life has been multiplying in the wombs of, uh, of God's people from generation to generation as he continues to birth his miracle inside of us again and again and again. And he looks into our dead life and our dead bodies filled with sin, filled with chaos, filled with disorder. And he comes in and speaks to us and says, let there be light. And we receive the light of the gospel and his life, his everlasting life is born in us. Just like he did it for Mary 2,000 years ago. That Mary miracle first happened to an ordinary sinner in a very ordinary town. And the lesson is simply this, nothing is impossible with God. And so no matter where you live and what you're going through, (coughs) excuse me, and how many sins you have done in your life and how bad you think you are and how you may feel like a nobody and you may have been rejected and cast out and you feel like my sins are too great. Listen, God can come and he can bring light and life into your life as well today. Nothing Nothing is impossible with God. And then third, you see God's blessing. Not only does he use ordinary people who are ordinary sinners, but God can come into those situations and bring his unique blessing. Look at verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, Don't mistake this. When he says, blessed are you among women, the angel is not addressing Mary's greatness or even her worthiness. He is talking about God's incredible grace and mercy. And that's why she is blessed. The word highly favored in the Greek is the word charito. And and you don't have to remember that. You will not be tested on that on your way out today. Carito, C-H-A-R-I-T-O-O. And it's from the root word charis, which literally means grace. Grace. And so that's the root word. But that word in its form, carito, is only used one other time in the entire New Testament, and that's found in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And it simply carries the idea of her being uniquely privileged. She is one-of-a-kind grace model. She is uniquely privileged of God. She is the privileged bearer of Christ, a once-in-history role. And so that word is used there. And it seems like 
maybe the writers would have put that word up and never used it again because it was kind of a one-time deal, a highly favored God, a, a, a uniquely privileged individual, and maybe that word should never ever be used again. But then Paul pulls it out, and he writes the Ephesian church, and he says in verse 3, he tells us of chapter 1, that we are blessed. In verse 4, he says we are chosen. And then he gets down to verse number 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has accepted us in the beloved. And that word is used there again in that phrase. In other words, not only was Mary uniquely privileged to bear Jesus Christ, but, but he says every one of us are chosen, are blessed, are uniquely privileged today it wasn't just her we can have a unique role and you're in a unique assignment uh, that god has given uniquely especially for us as individuals just like he had for mary you Mar- mary was uniquely blessed But I want to tell you, so are you. And God is still looking for and seeking vessels through whom he can pour his grace and uniquely bless them as well. I want to tell you, it does require surrender. Mary had to receive God's grace. Mary had to open up her heart to that unusual, very unique miracle that would be for her. God doesn't force himself on anybody. She would not be raped against her will. She had to open up her heart and her life in perfect surrender to God. And the same applies to everyone here today. God will not force himself on you. God will not make you accept his grace, his miracle, his power. But you've got to open up your heart to the Lord just like Mary did. And say, let it be unto me according to your word. Here I am. I'm ready for that miracle today. You've got to voluntarily surrender to him. The word surrender means to open fully, purely, and humbly before God. It means I'm yours, God. Here I am. Whatever you want to do in my life. For Mary to surrender, she also had to be stretched. For the next nine months, her body would be stretched. And God, when he comes and he speaks that word of truth into your heart, into your spirit, uh, there is also going to be a stretching time in your life. Uh, And so I want to challenge you, uh, let God stretch you uh, in 2011 like you have never been stretched before. If there is a habit and addiction you have been struggling with, uh, if there has been something in your life that has been holding your back, uh, let this be a year of breakthrough uh, of God's grace uh, and miracle-working power where we receive the word of the Lord uh, and God speaks to us to work in us, to work through us, to reach the world around us. Uh, Let this be a year uh, when God says, I'm giving you a new, unique opportunity of service in my kingdom, uh, a unique, new opportunity of, of joy in the kingdom of God. You may have been down and hurting and broken throughout this year. This may have been the most difficult year of your life, but I want to tell you when God's grace comes in to an ordinary person, an ordinary sinner, and he begins to speak to me, say, God, I surrender to your will. And then he'll begin to stretch you and stretch you to work in your life. And sometimes when God speaks to us and he speaks us that powerful word and he drops it into our heart, it doesn't always happen right away. 
Mary had to wait nine months. And sometimes God will give you a word and he says, I'm going to do this in your life and I'm going to use you in this way and I'm going to do this for you and this is what's going to happen. And we think, okay, it hasn't happened, God. Where are you at? God will say, it's going to come in time. It's going to take place. And for Mary, it was nine months. Or should I say for Mary, it was actually 30 years she waited. 33 years until Christ would hang on a cross. Until Christ would walk out of that tomb on the third day. Until Christ would affirm every single promise he made 33 years earlier to a little handmaiden of the Lord. And says, you're going to be the one that's going to bring the Savior. You're going to be the one that's going to bring the Messiah. And he spoke to her through Gabriel. He went in her to work through her that ultimately Jesus Christ might touch the entire world around her. The blessings of God. The blessings of God. Listen, there are promises God wants to first bring to you through his word. Uh, There are special areas of need you might have in your life. I want to tell you, don't give up. You may feel like you're in the middle of the dunghill right now. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit believing. There is a hope for your future. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Just a great verse. I want to read a couple of these to you. A couple of promises. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and to give you a hope. The Mary miracle tells me that God has good thoughts towards you. He has a unique miracle for you and for your life today. Second, there are promises God wants to grow in you. For that happen to happen, you have to receive his word. You have to surrender to him. You have to be humble in your spirit and believe that with God, nothing is impossible. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 7. He describes that working in us. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in, in, everybody say in, in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. And so just as God worked in Mary, Paul says we have this treasure inside of us that God might work in us, that he might get all the glory and the honor and the power. And then that he may work his promises through us and so if we are humble vessels surrendered to his perfect will in our lives uh, then we depend on god's sufficiency and god's power turn to philippians chapter 2 and 13 Uh, he describes that miracle for it is god who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure so the word of god comes to you uh, we receive it in us uh, and then god works his will and pleasure through us and finally in order that the world around you may be changed by god's grace and we've got to believe that god you want to change my marriage 
God, you want to change my children. Uh, God, you want to change my family. Uh, Lord, you want to change my workplace. Uh, You want to change uh, my life and those around me uh, because ultimately God works his grace and his miracle and his power through us uh, that he might, as in Christ, change the world around us. And so as we stand in awe and we look at this incredible miracle of God's grace and we look at the Mary miracle and what God did for her it can be repeated in every single one of our lives again and again and again and again we'll dare to believe that with God nothing shall be impossible you may be here today and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ you've never asked him to come into your heart never asked him to come into your life today Jesus Christ can be that Lord and Savior. He will come. He's speaking to you now through his Holy Spirit. But there's got to be that time of surrender. You say, God, I'm yours. Come in. This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.